you know, between him and Kofi Coburn, who I still don't know how that is his last name, but it is. Frankly, I have absolutely no idea who Grand Canyon's best player is, nor am I going to look it up. That guy obviously saying something he's never done before. I got no idea what I'm doing right now. That's not the truest thing that I've ever said. Then I don't know what it is. What's up, everybody? Open mic. Episode number two, also the last time that I'm going to say what episode number it is, because uh, hopefully there's a lot of episodes and no one really cares when it's episode 31. Hey, Sweet 16, this weekend, you might have heard, uh, how's your bracket doing? Just know that no matter how bad it is, uh, it's probably not any worse than mine. I mean, I cannot remember a bracket that was busted as quickly as as this one was for me. I mean, Ohio State in the Final Four, Illinois the national champion. How come no one's reached out to me and said, what the hell is wrong with you? Just terrible, terrible production all over the board from my bracket. But you know what? It doesn't matter because Buddy Bayheim became a national sensation and somehow Syracuse is still alive. All right, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about uh, all of the Sweet 16 today and, and uh, what the hell happened to the Big Ten? I mean, seriously. And I think that that's, that's where I want to start because, you know, there's a lot of teams and a lot of chatter that the Big Ten was overrated and these guys are, are, were not nearly as good as they, as they thought they were or as Ken Palm thought they were because if you want to put some blame, every, put it everywhere. You know, it's not just people sitting at home in front of a microphone who said the Big Ten was the best conference. It was the analytics, too. We talked last week about it was the first time in the history of the tournament that four of the top eight seeds came from the same conference, and three of them are gone before the Sweet 16. It's remarkable. So diving into the Big Ten, you know, I've seen a lot of things on Twitter from various people saying that it's a style problem, and the Big Ten didn't challenge itself enough in the non-conference, which of course was... Not really possible because of COVID and and what that did to uh, schedules around the country. But I'm calling BS on all of it. All right. The games that I watched in the Big Ten, and admittedly, I watched none of Maryland and Alabama, but it sounds like it does not matter at all. But the games that I watched in the Big Ten, the, what I saw from Big Ten teams everywhere was a panic level that is not supposed to be there, all right? Ohio State, when you're in a close game with Oral Roberts, relax, settle in, Dwayne Washington. Quit shooting threes. I mean, that one hurt me a lot because, like I said, I had Ohio State in the in the Final Four. But, you know, I walked away from that game thinking they deserve to lose. And when Illinois and Loyola played, whatever day that was, you know, that was a matchup that I looked at and said, Illinois got the advantage. The big guy inside whose name has been mispronounced as many times as Max Aismas. How the hell is his name Max Aismas? Regardless, uh, Krautwig just terrorized Illinois. And that wasn't supposed to happen. Kofi Coburn, a back-to-the-basket kind of center against this dude who looks like he's running his fifth game in a row at Lifetime Fitness out there just having a field day 
with a team that I picked to win the national championship. I know a lot of people picked to go to the final four. I don't know how many of them uh, picked the Illini to cut down the nets, but you know, I listened to uh, Charles Barkley. He was on uh, Tim McCormick and Sam Webb, the Michigan guys, their podcast. And he brought up the point about the inability to adapt from a lot of college basketball teams. And my goodness, if that didn't come to the forefront with Illinois, I, I don't know how on earth they just continued to run high screens with Iodesumu to have the ball poked away from him. And how about Porter Moser? I mean, a couple of years ago, Loyola goes to the Final Four. This guy is probably the sexiest head coaching candidate in the country at the time. And I said to my wife as we were watching that game bleed away and in the moments after that they did actually beat Illinois and completely just took it from, all right, I'm interested in my bracket to now I'm just rooting for Syracuse. Um, I said to her that he's, is he building Gonzaga? I mean, really, is he building a powerhouse in a conference that has enough respect, in a conference that has enough respect to produce a mid-major kind of team that can go do this Every single year. Because, you know, the more we get into the future, and I realize that that's redundant because it's the future every second, you know, Loyola's going to recruit better. They're going to keep recruiting at a high level if they keep producing these teams that somehow sneak into the Sweet 16. You know, you think back to think back to Gonzaga in the early days. And I don't, you know, I don't speak of the early days of the days that Judd Heathcote was out there. And, and I, for me, the early days are like, you know, the early 2000s and, and those teams and names like uh, Dan Dickow and Adam Morrison. And those are the guys who laid the foundation for Jalen Suggs and for, you know, Corey Kispert and all these dudes on Gonzaga and that's what I see Loyola in the early stages of right now I think Porter Moser has a chance to become Mark Few and the difference is of course that he got his final four way earlier he got it you know a couple years ago it took Few a long time to finally get to the final four and when they did they had that really good team and and they probably could have won that national championship I think it was Carolina um Bryce Johnson and and those guys but uh, when I watch Loyola, I just see the the buildings of a mid-major powerhouse that pretty soon, I think the question surrounding Loyola um, is going to be, are they a mid-major? It's the same question that we have with Gonzaga over and over again is, why are we still calling them a mid-major? Because, you know, they're in the Sweet 16, it seems like, all the time. They're ranked in the top 10 all the time. That is the next step for Loyola. Okay, can you can you stick in the rankings in the regular season, but damn, I mean, look at that region. Look at that region. Loyola, Oregon State, Houston, and Syracuse. Any one of those teams except Oregon State can get to the Final Four, and now watch Oregon State go to the Final Four. Wouldn't that be something? Now, just super impressed with Loyola and obviously uh, excited about the Orange, so let's stay there for a minute. Um, you know, I talked about last time about how I thought that they could beat San Diego State, but I didn't think they'd beat West Virginia. And then I talked about how I thought Buddy Beheim was the most underrated player in the country. And as far as, you know, predictions that weren't really predictions and hot takes that weren't supposed to be hot takes, feeling pretty, pretty, pretty good about that one. I mean, what a, what an entrance into America's living room for the younger Beheim. And it's honestly, it's a, it's a little thing. 
But having Bill Raftery call the Syracuse games, who has such a personal relationship with both Jim Beheim and the Beheim family, who knows the sweat equity that Buddy has put into becoming the player that he is. Uh, you know, what I said going into the tournament was that this wasn't new. He'd been doing this for the last however many games of the regular season, five or six, that he had been scoring 20 points. But, I mean, he's elevated his game to a whole nother level. He looks like the best shooter in the country. Uh, I mean, that's not that's not an over-exaggeration, I don't think. I think Buddy Beheim might be the best shooter in the country. Maybe the best shooter left in the tournament for sure. But he gives Syracuse just a bona fide knockdown shooter that, you know, I've been following this team for a long time. I've been following them extremely closely since I was a student there. So that was 2013 and 2014. Trevor Cooney was a good shooter, but he was streakier than Frank the Tank. You know, there was no level of he's going to go out and you know that he's going to knock it down. And, and in that first half against West Virginia, you know, Syracuse was up, I think, six at the break, seven or six, and Beheim was non-existent. He had his first shot, and then he forced a couple. Uh, but for him to make the adjustment and and come back in and just put up the numbers that he did in the second half, uh, you know, Syracuse beats West Virginia. And like I said, you know, as a as a double-digit seed, don't doubt Jim Beheim. That's the moral of the story, period. Because he's got his team right back where they were in 2018, uh, you know, not far off from where they were in 2016 when they went to the Final Four. And it's been so much fun to watch. They're so entertaining. It is remarkable. The level, and I'm not saying that teams aren't prepared, but the level of unpreparedness that shows from teams when they play the zone in the NCAA tournament, it's as if they didn't practice against it. I mean, how can San Diego State, a program that has a solid culture, come out and just jack up threes from, you know, Terre Haute, anywhere. Those dudes were shooting it from 30 feet away. And I'm just, you know, I, I put on Twitter the other day, the amount of times that I've said bad shot in this tournament is astounding. I know Steph Curry changed the game, guys, but there's one of him. There's one. And for the sixth man on LSU to be taking step back threes, you gotta be kidding me. I'd be a terrible coach. I'd just be screaming at the players. And I'd pull them out of the game. All right, enough. Um, mentioned LSU. Michigan LSU might have been the most entertaining game that I've seen so far because I think there was the most on the line. You know, the first round games are, there's been close ones and, and, and you know, buzzer beaters and, and all that stuff's well and good. But, you know, now we're into it. Now it matters. Now it's like anybody left is four games away from a national championship. So I mentioned the point about the Big Ten in the beginning and their inability to adapt. And I think that's why Michigan is still there. Because they got punched in the mouth in the first couple of minutes. I mean, LSU, Cameron Thomas, or 24, whatever his name is, was just stroking it. But they made an adjustment that so many other teams seem unable to make. Michigan switched Mike Smith, and they put Eli Brooks on him, who reminds me of Lindsey Hunter, the way he plays defense on the ball. And if you don't know who Lindsey Hunter is or how good of an on-ball defender he is, I can't help you. But look him up. He was the guy the Pistons drafted to be the next Isaiah Thomas. That didn't work out, but it did lead to a championship, ultimately, and he was a huge part of it. But back to Michigan. I mean, what a statement. Sean D. Brown, outstanding Brooks was outstanding. Franz Wagner was just, 
He was money down the stretch. He was non-existent for the first 30 minutes of the game. And then the the running skyhook in the lane. Oh, my goodness. I wish people could understand how difficult of a shot that is to make. And then you add in the fact that there's a defender trying to block it. Michigan did what it it needed to do. And everybody's going to say, Florida State, Florida State, watch out for Florida State. Um, Watch out for Michigan. I don't know. That's just how I feel. I don't I don't think that I don't think Florida State gets them. I don't. I'm not saying Alabama won't. I'm not saying Florida State won't. I'm just saying I don't think that Michigan bows out in the round of 16. They will be elite. Let's put it that way. But take that with a grain of salt because everything I've said so far has been wrong. And that's what we love. All right. The powerhouses who are still alive. Gonzaga, Baylor. They look as legit as they're supposed to. I mean, Drew Timmy's mustache is legit. Uh, Kispert's jumpers are legit. And Suggs has already shown he can do it all. I mean, if you pick Gonzaga to win it, you're feeling really good right now. And, you know, what's left in that region, Southern Cal knocking off Kansas, that probably makes it a little easier. I know they got to get through Creighton first, but I can't imagine that Creighton is striking the fear of God into Gonzaga. Although, they both Jesuit schools. They might be. Fun little matchup there. I have no idea. I'm not fact-checking it either. Um, so, you know, if you're picking if you pick Gonzaga to win it all, like I said, I think you're feeling pretty good. Oregon and Southern Cal, first time ever that the Pac-12 has matched up against each other. It's a shame that we aren't going to have Bill Walton on that game. Um, Gonzaga Creighton will probably be a blowout. I'd expect it to be a blowout. Every other game Gonzaga's played so far has been a blowout. 98, the first first game of the tournament for the Zags. On the other side, hey, we want to give Michigan credit for its culture and its deserved. How about Villanova? Gillespie goes down late in the season. They are the sexiest pick to lose to Winthrop in the first round, right? Everybody had Winthrop. I had Winthrop. Villanova handles them without trouble. That's culture, guys. That's Jay Wright. You be Jay Wright. That's another story for another time. But, you know, I don't think Villanova beats Baylor. I think I think Baylor is really good. Mitchell, this is the first time I've watched Mitchell extended minutes, and I know that Dame Dalla was tweeting at uh, Donovan Mitchell and saying any relation. I definitely thought the same thing at first, and not just because he's wearing 45, but I don't know. He, he moves like Donovan Mitchell. Obviously more ball dominant um, a little bit. Baylor's got some guards. Man, they can get out and run. They can score. Uh, Wisconsin for a moment there at plus 850 in the Baylor game. You had to take action on that. I know I did and lost it. Um, you know, looked like a minute that Wisconsin was going to challenge them and force them. And then Baylor just took over. So if you've got Baylor in the final four, I think you're feeling good. I think I, I texted someone, uh, I think a group, uh, text keep up right as soon as, uh, Oral Roberts won against Florida. And said, so Baylor and Arkansas is going to be fun. And if Baylor and Arkansas are meeting in the Elite Eight, that is going to be a lot of fun. That's two teams that can move, can push it up and down the floor. Two coaches who probably don't get enough respect. Eric Musselman's been around forever. I know he's linked to the Indiana job. I I don't know why he would take it. Other than the fact that it's Indiana. You know, you're going to go in the Big Ten. It's like, why would a football coach go be in the Big Ten East? you got to play Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State every year. You wonder why Luke Fickle's still at Cincinnati? 
It's not just because he's winning, guys. So, you know, between Scott Drew and Eric Musselman, I think there's a coach that's going to get more recognition from the winner, if that is indeed the matchup, which we don't know that it will be. Um, But I think, you know, Baylor and Arkansas are the two best teams left in the South. Um, You know, I think Gonzaga and I don't know who are the two best teams left in the West. I think Michigan and Alabama are the two best teams left in the East. And Syracuse is very clearly the best team left in the Midwest. That's not true. Houston frightens me. Uh, it's going to be a good game. Um, I think that if we've learned anything thus far from the first weekend of the tournament, it's expect chaos, right? So while you're feeling good, if you've got Gonzaga, expect chaos. Expect chaos. Because this tournament is delivering at a level, and maybe it's just because we took a year off, and we don't remember the upsets that happen every single year, the UMBCs and the Middle Tennessee States. But it sure as hell feels like there's a lot more upsets. And we've got a lot more content. So I want to close by talking about that, right? So McCannsports.net, it is currently undergoing uh, open heart surgery. I'm playing around with the interface. I'm going to start some writing and, uh, you know, If you guys know me, you know that writing is a huge thing for me. I wrote a long time ago. I had a blog. I want to get back into that, and I want to use that to kind of uh, talk about some of the topics that probably aren't going to get as much traction uh, from audio. And the goal, as I've said, is to try and do this uh, as often as possible. So what I'm shooting for right now is, uh, you know, two a week. In the early part of it, it's going to be me. And then once we get these uh, episodes up and rolling, I'm going to have some guests. I have some guests already lined up who I'm really excited about. And uh, on that note, you know, never be afraid to send a cold email out, to send a cold DM. Because you get that yes response, and that's a good feeling. And I got a yes response from somebody who I did not really think would even respond, who I'm going to commission to do some work for me, who does great work. And I'm going to have him on here in a couple of weeks and... I know that that's an ultimate teaser, but that's it. All right, now we come to the close, and honestly, I've lost respect for every single one of you guys uh, in terms of not calling me out for what a terrible ending it was to last week's episode. What what the hell did I even say? Like, we're going to see you real soon. All right, good job, loser. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, we're going to close every one of these episodes the same way from here on out. And that is the best movie line, the most underrated movie line. If you've seen Old School, the scene where Craig Kilborn is in the bathroom with the girl and Luke Wilson walks in on him. Not going to tell on me, are you? What a great scene that is. On that note, next week, everybody, in the meantime, great talk. We'll see you out there.